Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, thank you, J.B. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. The president's been in close contact with GOP lawmakers who are now in self-quarantine. White House will not say if our president has been tested. This is no time for games. This isn't about showing weakness. Getting tested is strength. We've got one president. Be safe. America needs its leaders, especially now. The unknown, fed by hiding information and lying realities, that's what can overwhelm us. We can handle any reality in this country. We always have. We have Senator Bernie Sanders tonight He's going to address virus management on the eve of one of the biggest nights of his life. What do you say? Let's get after it. All right, the virus is affecting everything. Why not politics? Congressman Matt Gates was uh, with the president on Air Force One today. He is now, Gates, self-quarantined, along with four other GOP lawmakers. Why? because they may have come into close contact with a coronavirus-positive attendee at CPAC last weekend. You know Gates. He's the same Republican uh, who this time, they're coming after him now for making a joke about the outbreak on the House floor last week by wearing a mask. I guarantee you he does not think it is as funny now. Representative Doug Collins of Georgia also came in close contact with the president this Friday. You can even see they shook hands He is among those in isolation, along with Trump's newly picked chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Look, let's be clear. There's nothing, there's no pleasure to be taken in this. God willing, they are all fine, okay? And right now, they're all okay. But it does speak to the seriousness, okay? And how scary this can see. Even with these people now putting themselves in the self-quarantine, it's still about better than safe. Better safe than sorry. You're going to hear about more cases, Okay, the president himself, he appeared at the White House tonight at the latest briefing on the crisis, uh, but left before the big question. Has he been tested? Here's his vice president's answer. Let me uh, be sure to get you an answer that I honestly don't know the answer to the question, uh, but, um, but we'll refer that question and we will get you an answer from the White House uh, physician uh, very quickly. There's no reason for ignorance about it. The president's 73. Okay, he's shaking hands uh, with everyone and anyone. He's of senior age. He is among those at highest risk right now. Now, I want to be clear about this. Look at me when I say it. God forbid anything happens to President Trump. We have one. He should be healthy. We should do everything to assure that that is the case. I don't care how you feel about his politics. This is about way more than that. And this risk is about way more than him. Just politics. Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden, septuagenarians in their 70s, high 70s. They check every box of risk factors. What does this mean for how they're conducting themselves during the election? Look, either Trump is going to be president or one of these two men. 
uh, is going to be president. And it should be something that we care about. Senator Sanders is here tonight. He just held a coronavirus roundtable in a crucial battleground. He's fighting to win tomorrow. Tomorrow cannot matter more in the Democratic primary than it does. Senator, uh, it is great to have you. It's great to see you. Let me take one step sideways. As tough as vetting in a, an election and a primary in government can be, uh, you know that I care about you as a person before anything else. Uh, and I am worried uh, about this. I don't have coronavirus panic. I don't do fear. But have you thought about it? You're shaking everybody's hands. You've got crowds in the thousands and tens of thousands. You're all over the country, in and out of planes. Do you have to think about it, given what you might mean to the party and who you are and your age and your health and stage? Well, I think every American uh, has got to think about it. And we, before we do rallies, uh, consult with local public health officials to make sure that it's okay. So we've never done a rally without the approval of local public health officials. But I think, Chris, the question you're asking is going to reverberate all over this country. Uh, basketball, the NBA is going to have to ask itself uh, what it does in the future in terms of professional basketball. Uh, the NCAA is going to have to ask itself that question. Uh, Broadway and theater groups all over the country are going to have to ask themselves that same question. Uh, I want to know what your guidance is in general about how people should approach this. But I do want to say you check a lot of boxes. I don't. You may be smarter. You'd probably take me if we played one on one. I've been watching you shoot. You still got the form. Uh, but your age, your stage, you know, your health. I know you're doing well, but you know, you check different boxes. Are you thinking about it? Uh, you and Biden both. Well, you know, of course, you, I, Biden or Trump are going to be president well, of, course, of the United I, States. I, you all have the I same would hope that I would hope that every um, I would hope, Chris, that every American is thinking about it. Look, we had a, a coronavirus forum today. We brought some of the leading experts in the country uh, together uh, to talk about where we are as a nation and where we've got to go. And the bottom line here is for me, for you, for Trump, everybody, everybody in this country, what we need is leadership that is based on science. We need to have the best scientists in this country and in the world coming together to direct how and where we go. And one of the things that disturbs me very much about the Trump administration is somebody like Mike, Mike Pence, is, who is leading the, um, the, the uh, task group on coronavirus, is not only a not a scientist, his record is kind of anti-science. So we have to do a number of things. One of the things, Chris, and I know you and I have discussed this in different contexts in the past, Think about a healthcare system today in which 87 million Americans are uninsured or underinsured. We're the only country, major country, not to guarantee health care at all. Think about somebody watching this program right now who may be feverish, who may be having a cough, maybe saying, God, do I have the coronavirus? But I can't afford to go to a doctor. I can't afford a couple of hundred bucks. It may cost me. Talk, think about a worker who's making 13, 15 bucks an hour who doesn't have any paid medical leave, who has to go to work tomorrow because if he or she doesn't go to work, they don't have the income to take care of their family. So one of the proposals that we have made is that in this moment, while we move toward Medicare for all, every worker in America should be able to go to a doctor when you are sick right now to make sure that you get the testing that you need to determine whether or not you're sick. Should be every worker who is sick. That's right. Every worker who is sick, sick should and you have stay, to stay home. home. They should pay you for it. And if that winds up being that the federal you government has to get involved and pick up the tab, 
I mean, it's no time for that any other kind of BS. If you want people to stay home because they're being quarantined, you, the employer's got to step up. If you want them to go get tested, you got to make sure the testing right. is being uh, picked up. It's no time for any other kind of politics. The only reason I'm asking you that's exactly this, right, Chris. Senator, is uh, you know your rallies and stuff going forward. You, Biden, and Trump, all three of you. One of you is going to be president of the United States, and you're all very vulnerable to this. Is your team? Uh, look, I'll offer you my whole show to come in and talk health care just to make sure you're not out on the hustings shaking a thousand hands because I know you guys are all going to do it. You can come into the studio whenever you want. We'll do the whole night on health care. But are you thinking about it at the team level? What positions they put Bernie in? Yeah, of course. What they are. expose you to? Yeah, and of not. course we are. I have. I have used more hand sanitizer in the last two weeks than I've used in my entire life. Yes, we are thinking about it. Someone comes up, Bernie, concern. you know, your ideas about health care, you're saving my family, they reach over to hug you, you're going to hug them. You know, people want to kiss you and say, you know, Senator, you fighting the fight for me. Thank well, you. We're, well, you know, no. uh, yes. well, we're, we're, we're aware of this, but it's not just me. Let's be clear. It Absolutely. Is the American people. And what uh, and as I said, I very worry. I worry very much that when we have a president, Chris, and again, I don't want to be too political here, but right. When you're dealing with science and you're dealing with the president who makes absurd remarks, it worries the whole world. It and does. It worries, and the uh, unknown is the shaking people, people. this country. And now we're seeing the residue. You know, for yeah. forever, you know, you've been yelling. You're me, right. Uh, that me is exactly it. right. But now all the time that they said, ah, yeah, he lies. That's what they do. Now they can't trust him. And now they're worried. And now he's blaming us. And a, now it's a mess. And Mike Pence is in charge of all point. of it. And he doesn't that even is, know if the president was tested. He's in charge of national testing and the protocols. He doesn't even know if the president's been tested. Let me ask you about tomorrow night. This is why it, it matters right. so much. All right. Yeah. Michigan. Yeah. You won Michigan. I'm going to ask you something a, a different way. All right. Everybody's saying you're going to win. How are you going to win? Why are you going to win? Forget it. You can't know right now anyway. In 2016, you won. People didn't see it. What is interesting in the poll numbers to me I'll put up the national poll that's latest now. You've seen it. Um, uh, Biden's got a good wide. Uh, before, let me beat you to the punch. Neither of us care about the national poll. In Michigan, uh, the numbers seem similar. What I looked at in the poll that I think I want you to address, Senator, is you beat Clinton because she didn't get the African-Americans out. She didn't get white working class voters out the way you did. He, you beat her, I think, by 15 uh, with white working class voters. He is up in the poll in white working class voters. You have to win. You have to win with white working class voters and you need African-Americans to give you a shot. Do you think you can get it done? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think, as you well know, Jesse Jackson, who is yes. one of the great figures in modern history, the man, you know, and, and I've said this before, not only did he help lead the fight as a young man against segregation and racism in the South. Um, he was up north fighting for the economic rights of the African-American community mm -hmm. and for all of us. Uh, and he just uh, endorsed our Big campaign yesterday. And I think that is significant. Big endorsement. He has a lot of respect, not only in the African-American community, but throughout the United States yeah. uh, as well. Uh, I think also uh, that our message, you know, polling is one thing. You remember, Chris, uh, that uh, last year, just this time, not yep. last year, four years ago at this time. You were getting your clock The polls clean. had me 25 points down. Yeah. And we won. Now, I, don't, I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, but I think that the working class here in Michigan and throughout this country understands that in Joe Biden, you have a candidate who is being supported by Wall Street, who is being supported by at least 60 billionaires, uh, somebody who voted for disastrous trade agreements like NAFTA and PNTR, which cause real serious problems here in Michigan, 
uh, in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Uh, somebody in terms of women's rights is not as strong as the candidate we need. Somebody, in fact, you know, people are asking themselves, well, like Bernie or like Joe, who can be Trump? That's what Democrats, independents, some Republicans are, That's the are thinking. And to my mind, to my mind, Chris, this is really a no brainer. Our campaign is the campaign that can bring young people into the political process, that can speak to working class people, some of whom voted for Trump. I to hear the argument. Trump, you just, you need just need the them to show up. Turn out. You need them to show up. We have to That's see right. them in the primaries and, I, and we'll see it tomorrow night. I want to ask you something about this. But it's not just the primaries. Chris, yes. Go ahead. You're going to need the primaries are one thing. Yes. Primaries are one thing. And you're right, obviously. But we need them to show up in the general Absolutely. election. Does anyone really believe, I want, you know, let me throw it out to you, you know this stuff, that a campaign like Joe's, which is frankly the same old, same old establishment politics supported by the wealthy, and, and I know they got all, all the right. governors and the senators supporting them. Does anybody really think that that is going to be the campaign of excitement and energy that's going to grow the base that we need to defeat Trump. I don't think so. I Listen, say that I'm honestly. Not, as a I, friend I, I get Joe's. your case. And you know the counter argument. They say, yeah, well, look what happened last Tuesday. He got all the votes that he needed and then some. And you're calling the establishment what uh, his voters called Democrats and African-Americans. That's the state of play. But something happened. No, on no, my no, sh- no, 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 no. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. That is not fair. I'm calling Wait, the establishment the 60. 60- Go ahead. All right. Because let me define what I mean by establishment. Don't do it for me. What I mean by establishment is there are 60 billionaires who are supporting his campaign. But you said the voters that he has the establishment voters. No, 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 no. If I said that, then I misspoke. What I'm talking about is the establishment of can we call billionaires part of the economic establishment, Chris? Call them whatever you want. Can we call Mike Bloomberg, call Mike Bloomberg part of the establishment, Wall Street, who is taking out their checkbooks? The healthcare industry that is taking out their checkbooks, that is the establishment. I'm, we are taking I, I them it. on. I get but what I think you're at saying. At the end of the day, let me finish. Go at ahead. the end of the day, Chris, I think here in Michigan and around this country, people are sick and tired of billionaires buying elections. They're sick and tired of an economy that works very well for the people on top, but it's not working well for working class people who are going nowhere in a hurry over the last 45 years. This country needs Medicare for all, like every other major country on earth. We need to make sure that the wealthy stop paying their fair share of taxes. We need to deal with the crisis of climate change. That's what our campaign is about. It is not what Joe's campaign is about. Let's uh, let's leave it on this. I I think that the what we'll see play out tomorrow night is a function of what people have more confidence in or what they're less concerned about. What you're promising for the future and how to get there versus what Biden may have represented in the past. And it'll be an interesting measurement at a very interesting time. I don't want to keep you longer than promised. Senator Sanders, thank you for being with us. Stay healthy. Stay vibrant. Good luck to you tomorrow night. I look forward to covering you in detail all night long. Okay. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Stay well, Senator. Stay well. Take care of yourself. Thank you. All right. Look, yeah, listen. You know, this is not a fishing expedition. The president, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, they check a lot of risk boxes. One of these people are going to be your leader for the next four years. we got to make sure they take care of themselves. You know, if they're going to go out there and campaign and do things, and then one of them winds up getting sick, God forbid. Was it worth it? So we got to be thinking about it. i got to ask the questions. All right, coronavirus. A lot of scary headlines in the news. Italy on lockdown. 
literally, Italy on lockdown. Is that going to happen here? What should we be thinking about right now? Extremely valuable perspective. You know who knows these kinds of answers? Surgeon General. Former U.S. Surgeon General, next. All right, here's the latest count. 700 cases, uh, at least 26 deaths. But remember, you know, not all media is the same. You pick the outlets you want. The number is going to grow exponentially, okay? People haven't been getting tested. Just be open to that. You want to hear the real numbers because you will start seeing the real outcomes. We're getting exaggerated negative outcomes right now, if anything, all right? Yes, there's been a big jump from just two weeks ago. Yes, the president said it wouldn't go beyond a few cases. He was wrong, and he was probably knew he was going to be wrong, and he said it anyway. That's on him. The administration now says four million tests will be out by the end of this week. But how much can you believe that? Let's ask a former U.S. Surgeon General doctor, Vivek Morthy. Very good to have you, sir. Great to be with you, Chris. So, Vivek, first thing, am I wrong to say that the president should be tested if he's touching these other cats who have been in self-quarantine now, and we should know the outcome of the test? What am I missing? Well, you're not wrong to ask the question, and I think that all of us want the president to be healthy. We need our leaders uh, to be healthy and strong. The president also is an important symbol. Uh, um, and when the president is well, that gives confidence to the public. So I think it's important that the president be evaluated by his physicians, that they understand if he's experienced any symptoms that people experience when they have COVID-19. And it's important that if he is experiencing symptoms, uh, that they make a decision on, on testing him. Now, um, we're waiting to get that information on how he's doing. My hope is that he is doing well. My hope is that none of the congressmen uh, and women who have been exposed uh, that they, none of them get sick either. But it's important, especially in this moment, uh, for the government to be very transparent with what is happening with the president. Do you think it has been? Well, I think we're still waiting for information. Waiting we'll for information, meaning the government doesn't have it? Or we're waiting for them to be transparent the way you think they should be? Well, specifically on the, on the president's health, and we're waiting to get information oh. from, his, from his physician. That's about them not wanting us to know. I'm saying in general in terms of how they've been handling what they're doing, what they will be doing, what the realities are. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm feeling better now than I did a week ago. Uh, my concerns early on uh, were that we were, number one, uh, not getting adequate testing capacity to the health systems and departments of health that needed them. My concern is also that we did not have enough information to understand even how many tests were being performed. Uh, and this was giving concern not just to doctors, but also to members of the general public who wanted to understand what is happening. Uh, are we, do we have the capacity to actually address this? Look, I think there are three key principles, Chris, that governments have to keep in mind when addressing crises like this. Number one, you have to lead with science and the scientists. They should be the ones communicating. Number two, you have to be transparent with information. When you know something, you've got to make sure that the community knows it. That's also how you build trust. And the third is you have to make sure that the adequate resources are going to the people and institutions on the front lines. Those are health departments, hospitals and clinics, and most importantly, members of the public. And where, okay? So uh, one of the things I was just talking with a colleague about is who's going to get hardest hit here? The elderly. But where? Elderly where? 
impoverished communities because that elderly population has more risk factors that they check boxes of in different types of disease. Is anybody prioritizing for that or is this going to be like everything else where those who need the most often don't get the attention? This is one of the great tragedies of, of outbreaks and epidemics and like this, which is that the vulnerable are the ones who always get hit the hardest. Uh, and I mean not just vulnerable in terms of their health, people with chronic illnesses, but also the poor and so those who don't have access. Implications. Exactly. Those and we don't, don't know that they've planned for capacity most in those areas. I haven't heard anything about it. I haven't even heard if they're ready for the capacity uh, questions about where do you keep people? Are you ready? Um, do you think that, do you have any insight into whether, I know you've been meeting with the NCAA and they had some games where there weren't guests, you know, people there. You know, that matters. Uh, but it doesn't matter as much as the capacity of the system to deal with what's going to be coming our way because we've seen it everywhere else. What insight do you have into that? Well, I know that for many people in the government right now, including, you know, tried and true experts like Tony Fauci and others who mm -hmm. have been there for decades, that the issue of hospital capacity is very much at the forefront of their mind. What they know is that we need to get resources to hospitals. We need to get training and expertise. Many hospitals are struggling without basic pr protective gear, uh, including masks and gloves and gowns. But we also know that this is just the tip of the iceberg, Chris. We should expect to see more cases as testing expands. But we should also expect that there is going to be real spread uh, of coronavirus here in the United States. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a doomsday scenario, but it does mean that things are going to get worse before they get better. And we should be prepared for that. Look, this is a time where we have to prepare instead of panicking. And pre preparation basically means that we have to, number one, recognize there are things we can do on our own uh, to ensure that we are reducing our risk of illness. That includes hand washing, not touching your face, cleaning surfaces like your phone and keys, which you, know, you, you touch a lot after you touch other things. But it also re requires staying home. Uh, if you're sick. Those are some of the things you can do uh, if you're ill. But now as we go, as we see increased spread, especially local spread, we've got to think about the next level. Uh, we've got to think about how we greet people. Do we move instead of handshakes uh, instead to elbow bumps like we did during the Ebola outbreak so in it's West very, Africa? It's very tough to say to an Italian-American that you have to start <laughs> leaving each other alone. But I did see a video on Facebook from an Italian grandmother who said, instead of touching, you give a wink. So we'll try that. And it's part of the common sense protocol. You got to be smart right now uh, in order for doing your part to make things better. You're right to put the message out. Dr. Vivek Murthy, please be available so you can come back from time to time and help us understand uh, the latest state of play. All right. Happy to join you anytime, Chris. Giving you the wink, Doc. Be well. Give you a double <laughs> you. wink. All right. We're going to have another top official from the Obama era here, a former White House uh, chief economist. All right. Now, what's going on with this? Is this momentary what's going on? Is this playing the panic game? What's going on in the markets? What do we have to look for in terms of what would cause real economic problems that are long lasting? Next. Well, we've had the Dow's worst day since 2008. And now we have this oil crash that has been different than anything we've seen in almost 30 years. Uh, after trying to spin this one-two punch as good news, the president is now pushing a plan to cut payroll taxes. Uh, now, is that a response to coronavirus? Uh, or is it what Trump said he was considering last year? Uh, because he's given mixed messages on this 
two. The FICA line we're talking about on your paycheck um, that funds so-called entitlements, programs like Medicare and Social Security. Is this a way to cut that but make it look like something else? Or am I being cynical? Austin Goolsby is the big brain from the University of Chicago. He was chief White House economic advisor to President Obama. Professor, uh, you and I met each other back during the Great Recession. In fact, I remember asking you back then, how is it not a recession? How is it not a depression? What's the difference? And and we went from there. So when we look at the market today, how much of this is proof of long-term pain versus unpredictable and rapid market cycles, just trading. We're just talking the markets, the trading markets. I'll talk economy in a second. Well, I think it's more than just day traders or or a blip, but it doesn't have to be that people expect a long-lived recession. I think what everybody's recognizing with coronavirus and they're looking at Italy and they're looking at China and they're looking at Korea where you're shutting down and quarantining millions of people. And then they apply that to the U.S. economy, where so much of our economy is dominated by services, which are exactly the kinds of things that shut down when you go into those quarantines. And I think that is the that's the big fear that people look at it and say, whoa, even if this thing lightens up when we get to the summer and, and we're all hopeful that it's more like a flu and less like Ebola and that in the summer, maybe the infection rates would slow down. Even if they slow down for the next two or three months, this could be a real nasty trip. So the president says one of the things I'm thinking of doing is payroll taxes. Um, now, that's a tricky thing to do when he already gave that big tax cut. So now you've got a big deficit. Now, do you believe that's corona responsive or is that another way to get to the spending cuts uh, that he wanted to do, but now he has an excuse to do it? Boy, I I certainly hope it's not that. You know, I've I've seen in the president's budget, they propose cuts to Medicare, cuts to Social Security, things like that. I I really hope that it is not that. Now, I'm glad that the White House is thinking about, let's call it economic means of addressing some of these coronavirus issues. I think this is off base for a few reasons. Number one, even if you gave a payroll tax cut, in an environment where we're telling everyone, don't go outside, don't go to services, Who's gonna don't spend it? go to sporting events, it, it, th- th- that's a mixed message. Two, this doesn't go out the door very quickly. The cut in the, in the FICA line of your paycheck is going to dribble out over weeks. It's not a, it's not a one-time uh, thing. Right. And if they wanted and to target Austin, is, shouldn't they be What if you saying, don't have a job? What well, if you get laid off? That's then right. You, you don't pay payroll now, tax. Now what happens? But isn't the direct approach, hey, employers, um, we're going to step up. We're going to create a fund where you've got a million ways to spend money in government. Uh, you will give your workers paid leave uh, when they have to go on quarantine. You will not have it both ways. You will not have someone self-quarantine and yeah, not pay I think them. that's right. And everybody Look, gets tested. That's right. If states you need help, step up. Aren't those Absolutely. the two obvious moves? I think those are the two obvious moves. And here's the thing about virus economics, which is different from normal economics. In a normal recession, you don't know what the cause is. There's not an obvious time period that it's going to take place and then and go away. And so you engage in stimulus. 
The thing about virus economics is the best thing you can do for the economy has nothing to do with the economy. It is to slow the rate of spread of the virus. It's to allow people to stay home when they're sick and not go bankrupt, not lose their jobs. So we got to engage in getting the tests and slowing the rate of spread of this virus. And that is doable. You can't stop the virus from spreading at all, but you can slow it down. You can get us to the summer when the rates of infection may be lower. And I don't understand at all why the president is going out and saying things like, oh, we only have 14 cases and pretty soon that's going to be zero. It's totally, it's just completely false and it's encouraging people to do things that are actually making the virus spread. Yeah, it's actually the opposite of what he needs to do because we all know the case numbers yes. are going to pop. Push the test and yes. let people see the big numbers and they'll see how many people recover. They'll be less freaked out. And as you know better than I ever will, perception is reality, especially on Wall Street. Austin Goolsby, appreciate a few minutes yes. of your time tonight. I'll be calling on you again because this is going to keep going and we're going to need fresh perspective. Be well. Great to see you again, Chris. All right. You might have noticed uh, we've held off on calling this crisis a pandemic. Why? Well, there's a reason why we weren't using it, and there's a reason why we're now using it. It has nothing to do with spreading panic. It's about helping to prepare and being real with you. Chief Doctor Sanjay Gupta will explain this and much more next. Favorite poem of mine is If by Rudyard Kipling, and to change one of the phrases in his poem, if you can deal with being told that coronavirus is nothing and that it's going to be like the plague and treat those both the same because they are both imposters, that will serve you best. Remind that. This is fine, says the president. It's going to dwindle down. That's not true. Oh, no, everything's going to be terrible. Every That's not true. Now, the word pandemic sounds bad. CNN, yes, is now calling this a pandemic. Why? Well, let's go to the president talking about whether you should get on a cruise ship. We want them to uh, travel. We want people to travel to certain locations and not to other locations at this moment. Then his own State Department says it doesn't matter where you're going. You see, the warning is U.S. citizens should not travel by cruise ship from the State Department. He says the opposite. Why? Why am I talking to you about calling it a pandemic when it's a scary word? Straight answers. Being real with you. We believe you can handle the truth. That reality you can deal with. Not knowing whether you can trust what you're being told can scare the hell out of you. That's why people like Dr. Sanjay Gupta are so important to us. And as always, brother, happy to have you. Pandemic, scary word. Why the heck do we have to say it? Well, because it's true. I mean, that, that, that's the bottom line. And, you know, look, public health officials have been telling me, uh, many of them off the record initially, and now more and more of them on the record, that we are dealing with a pandemic. Pandemic means we're all going to die, it sounds no, like. What does no, it really that, mean? That, that's the thing. People, I think part of the hesitation for people using this word is because they worry that it's going to incite panic. And yes. understandable, and it is a scary word. But it, it's worth looking at the definition, look at what's happening here, and then giving some context. So let's look at the criteria. Uh, a new virus that can cause illness or death. We, we know that that's the case. Sustained human-to-human -human transmission. 
we've seen that now, obviously, in China. And there's evidence of it here in this country, in Italy, in South Korea. Then the last one, evidence of that sustained transmission in distinct locations around the world. It's happening. It's a pandemic. I mean, look, it, it doesn't necessarily, just because it's widespread, gives no indication of how lethal, how many people will die. People oftentimes commingle all these terms together. It just really talks about the fact that a new pathogen, Chris, is circumnavigating the globe. It's gotten into every continent except Antarctica, and within those continents, it is spreading human to human and sustained human to human, meaning I spread it to you and another person, you two spread it to other people and so forth. When you get to four to five generations of that, that's considered sustained spread. So at this point, I'm almost hoping I get it just so people can see somebody make it through. Uh, and that this is the normative behavior over 80 percent of the time. That's right. Um, I'm sure that's something a lot of people in my audience would like to see also, but that's for right. different reasons. Let me ask you something else. And I want to keep you over the break, if you don't mind. Um, one is seasonal sensitivity, uh, what it means. And why is it inflammatory for me to want to know whether or not the president has been tested for coronavirus when he's touching these guys who are now self-quarantined? No. Well, which, uh, let me let me do the seasonal. You want me to do the seasonal one first? Whatever let you me do want. The you're the doctor. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're you're the interrogator. So let me let me answer your questions first. The seasonal one. Uh, first of all, uh, I mean not in the nicest way. The seasonal one. We don't know whether or not this is going to go away as the weather gets warmer. The reason this has come up is because other viruses, including flu virus and even other coronaviruses like SARS did tend to have this peak sort of in March and April and then start to diminish. So, you know, the question is, this is a coronavirus as well. Could the same thing happen here? And it might. But, you know, the reason we keep saying novel in front of coronavirus is because it is a new virus and we don't know exactly how it's going to behave. That map that you just showed, the world map, uh, if you notice, you know, most of the cases are still in the northern hemisphere where the weather is cooler. You, you are starting to see some now further down, but, but fewer numbers of cases in the southern hemisphere. Maybe that's an indication that uh, it's more of a, a colder weather virus. We don't know yet. That would be the hope. As right. far as the... Go, go ahead. ahead. Actually, let's take a break. Come back and we'll deal with the president's uh, issue. Right, I'm going to keep it. you anyway. All right. Okay. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thank you. We're going to take a quick break. we come back. More of the common questions uh, that are out there because it's all about information. I have complete confidence that as long as you're given the straight deal, you'll take care of yourselves and the people you care about, and we're going to be fine. It's not getting the real deal, not knowing why the president is or is not tested. It's not right. We won't allow it, not on our watch. Stay with us. There's a lot of misinformation going on about coronavirus. So let's bring back Sanjay to sort out fact from fiction. Uh, Let's deal with what we left uh, at the break. When we left, I wanted to know from Sanjay whether, you know, it's it's wrong for us to be pushing to hear about whether the president's been tested for coronavirus when he was touching people who are now self-quarantining. I mean, we only have one. God willing, we need him healthy. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a very it's a very fair question. I, I think that the the uh, I was surprised a little bit at that press conference. No one really seemed to know whether or not the president had been tested. Vice President Pence thought initially the question was about whether he had been tested. There was a lot of confusion there. So I was surprised that they didn't have the answer to that. And I don't know that we've still heard the answer to that. Let, let me make this one point, though, Chris, because play this out going forward a bit. 
the idea that who should get tested ultimately. We, we've been really short on tests. You were one of the first to really start talking about this, we, and we're still short on tests. But who should get tested? So somebody who ha, who's get test positive has contact with somebody, and then they have contact with other people. Now, second generation, should the second generation person always get tested? I'm not sure. I, I, I think regardless of whether it's the president or not, I think a lot of docs may make the case that you can't test all second, third generation folks. That's not going to make sense. It's going to be low yield. Let's monitor them, see if they develop any symptoms. It's very unlikely that they would have the infection. Possible? Yes, of course, for all the reasons that you're, you're, you're talking about. But uh, I, I think one could medically make the argument that it's not necessarily appropriate to test everyone who is in the second generation category as the president is in this particular situation. But then what happens? So then what do you do? Let's say, God forbid. And again, I hope Schlapp and all those guys and Gates and everybody else, I hope they're all fine. Mark Meadows. But if one of them then gets sick, then, then do you test them or do you just if keep one watching of them, them? If one of them is positive, because they've been tested now, I don't think the results have come back. Right, but it could if be too them, early. Yeah, it could be too early. But if one of the, let's say they get tested and at some point one of them comes back positive, I think that does change the equation. Then now do. then right. the president has had contact with someone who is positive. But again, th this is, some of this is evolving, I think, even as I talk to my infectious disease colleagues. We don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but given that we don't have enough tests, I think it's become a, be a crucial question. Who, who do we actually use a test yeah. for? All right. Now, here's a practical consideration. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. They may close my kids' schools. Mm -hmm. um, should I go on spring break? Uh, you know, is Gupta going to go somewhere where there's family? Or are you going to come up to New York and you're going to, you know, stay with me out east and I'll finally, you know, put some meat on those quads for you in the gym? <laughs> you know, how do you make a decision about where to go somewhere or not? Look, you know, there, there's, there's so many different components to this, right? So first of all, looking at just air travel, let's say I'm flying, you know, I mean, you and I've talked about this. I think it's fair to say that uh, the air cabin itself and the uh, air in the cabin itself is pretty safe. Some could argue even safer than most office buildings. People think you get sick filtered. more on planes and everybody's people trapped that. in the it, same thing. So the idea that you're clustering next to people, that's the concern on planes and in the terminal and other places. And I think there, you know, the, the basic flu cautions do, do they hold, you know? I mean, this isn't like measles where it kind of gets into the, into the particles get on the dust and they stay airborne. It's a respiratory droplet. You see it, it stays on surfaces. You gotta avoid those surfaces, avoid sick people. If you're sick, you stay home. We've talked about that. I do think with elderly people right now, people in their 70s and 80s in particular, or with these pre-existing conditions, heart disease, diabetes, lung disease, and hypertension were the four most common out of the China study uh, that, were, that were problematic. I think they should, you know, at least for the next few weeks, be staying home as much as possible. You know, it, I, I don't think that you want to take the joy out of their lives, but the idea that, you know, going to crowded places where you might come in contact with the virus, just got to use your judgment in terms of reducing that risk. For other people, you know, um, I think people will probably still continue to travel. I think if you're young, if, if your family is uh, relatively young, I think it's still okay to go on spring break and fly on a plane to do so. All right. Well, my invitation stands, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. I need some meat on the quads. You're, you're right about that. You are one of the most beautiful, complete human beings I've ever been around <laughs> in my life. The more I am like you, the better off my family and everyone who cares about me in this audience is served. Uh, you take care. Thank you for the invitation. Anytime, Chris. Thank you, you for the information. You can thank me for the invitation. It stands. You want to come up? Thank you. you. Come. I right. will. We're going to take a break. I want to update you on a guest that we had on last week. She self-quarantined. She was worried uh, about her mother. Uh, she thinks she has coronavirus. We have new information, and it may also help answer some of your questions. Next.
Bolo, that means be on the lookout. Remember Karen Goheen? She joined us on the show last week, self-quarantine, hadn't been tested, but she's a nurse, and she knew that her high fever and the body aches made it likely. We checked in with her. I got good news. She was tested and has coronavirus. Why is that good news? You remember her? You remember how she looked? You remember how she was dealing with it? She says she's getting better. Her spirits are okay. She had to stay home, but just symptomatic care. And she's doing fine. And she's getting better. She isolated herself from others to not spread. There's a look on her beautiful face. And that was right when she was starting to deal with even uh, the return in the afternoon of more fever. She caught it. And this is the key part. Days after visiting her mother at that Kirkland nursing home, what's now the epicenter of the outbreak in Washington, her mother is waiting on lab results. Look, Helen's going to beat it. She's worried about her mother and rightly so. You are going to see overwhelmingly when you see more cases that Helen's are much more like Karen. Sorry, Karen Goheen. Karen's are much more likely than anything worse. That's why we pushed the administration to test and to tell the truth about the number of cases. Keeping the number down does nobody any good. They're going to learn the truth. The threat shouldn't be taken lightly. But all the hype and panic, it's exacerbated by the administration mishandling the crisis and the president's lies. Tell the truth and we'll all be healthier for it. Thank you for watching tonight. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.